Hello, everyone. There is NLP Radio on stream. Hello, Alexander. Hello. Hello, Olga. And again, we are talking today with our guest, NLP Master, the trainer of NLP practitioner trainings, a very famous negotiator and trainer in Russia, Alexander Gerasimov. The geography of seminars and trainings led by Alexander is 22 countries and 69 cities. Dear audience, uh, I would like to highlight that over all those years, we have learned from American NLP books, we have attended trainings, we have prepared something for you, and there is something now we'd like to share with you. There is a great um, tool via the internet where we can discuss different NLP techniques. And today we continue discussing NLP rapport. Alexander, the first question I'd like you to highlight is uh, role rapport. Let's move on talking about it. What is actually a role rapport and what kind of mistakes can be made uh, in this sphere? There is direct rapper, what we discussed in our first podcast. In this case, rapper means a single eye for two persons. When you and another person or a group of persons become nearly an integrated whole. Role rapper is relationship rapper. When one person plays a role and another person or a third person plays a complementary role. The simplest examples of the of role rapper are, for example, a teacher and a student, a doctor and a patient, a pursuer and a pursued person. These role rappers, um, well, there is a phrase, it's the retinue that makes the king. If there were no retinue, there would not be a king. If there were no a king, there would not be his retinue. It appears that the two parties play seem to play a mutual role. That's why this type of rapper is called role rapper, as if they are performing on a stage. And admit it, a single person cannot perform a Shakespeare's play all alone without actors playing other roles. And each of those other actors plays a certain role. Role rapper may be between just two persons. When they start a process and begin to role-play it, and, and um, rapper may be between more than two persons. In this case, it may be called system rapper. The simplest example is an operating company, which comprises several types of persons who have to play their role. For example, there is a chief executive who determines a company strategy, a chief security officer who examines contractors, an accountant who is accounting everything, a marketing expert who is promoting products and so on, a sales representative, a purchasing agent, maybe a driver logistics experts, warehouse superintendents, and so on and so forth. And everyone is playing a certain role. However, in some cases, people, for example, a teacher and a student, are playing their roles not based on agreed rules. But in business area, such rules are called requirements, relationship requirements or process requirements, which are discussed beforehand. So, role wrapper 
It is when we are playing a certain role and we are satisfied with it. The main mistake in this case is, apparently, to play a role which is not yours. I mean, disability to properly determine what role you are playing. It happens sometimes because we have misrecognized the context. For instance, the simplest example, when the same CEO, a respectable person, comes home and apparently in the context of his home he should play the role of a loving father, but he continues to play a role of a boss. He looks at his wife and sees her as chief accountant. He looks at his son and sees him as a silly employee who doesn't want to do what he is told to. He looks at his dog and sees it as his chief security officer. The ability of improperly, I mean, the disability to properly recognize the context and what role you should play is the main cause of mistakes. Right, right. Playing the role, uh, the wrong role in the wrong place. Interesting. Uh, is uh, changing of roles always destructive or not necessarily? Well, destructiveness is not the proper value we can look through in this case. If a role implies suffering when the role is changed, a person will be suffering. For example, a disgruntled king, he must play a role of a former president, it is his role, and if this role description includes suffering, he will be suffering, why not? Mm -hmm. I agree that when a role is very comfortable, rather habitual to a person, then any change in the paradigm will make him protest and will make him or her reluctant to abandon the old role or unwilling to play another role. For example, when an employee fails to perform his duties properly and gets demoted or transferred to another branch office, where there are more restrictions than, than resources, he will be resisting, but he will be resisting resisting against reduction in resources, rather than his role changing. It is rather difficult to some people to take on a new role. For example, a person used to serve as a sales representative, and everything seemed to be okay to him, and now he's told, you'll be promoted to head of sales. Your duties will include making sales representatives work, holding meetings, staying in office till 8 p.m. Then he answers, I don't want new duties, I am accustomed to my previous duties. If he, if we take an example from not the business area, it may happen in relations, when, for example, a young man and a young woman plan to have a baby. Previously, their relationship was a relationship between a man and a woman, and they liked it, their roles and their relationship. But when a third element of the system, a baby, appears, they will spend much less time on playing their previous roles. So it is also an ecology matter, which we discussed in the previous podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. 
Well, uh, talking more and more of rapport, we can notice that each point can be discussed limitless amount of time and always new and new issues uh, come up. Uh, I'd like to come back to such a thing as um, matching. Uh, lastly, we discussed matching and the kinds of matching. And definitely there was a feeling that it was not enough. So today we'd like to compensate it. Let's talk a little more about matching. Um, would you maybe give us uh, examples of matching? How else can we match tune up just to another person? And maybe bring some kind of illustrations to each, because I think that the audience last time did not get enough into that. Matching is a process, the process of coordination of certain parameters, for example, one's posture, gestures, what we discussed in the first podcast, in order to establish rapper, unconscious trust to a person, in the classic sense. Examples of matching that even could be called automatic. For example, if you didn't pay attention, I recommend that you should do it. When a person enters some room, maybe a mall, where some music sounds, and if that music is slower than that person, he or she begins to move slower, matching that music without realizing that. Or, for example, on the contrary, when the music is more intensive than that person, he or she begins to move faster, to make decisions faster, and may and faster or maybe even louder behave while accelerating. People are pack animals, if we can say so, and they want to permanently be in rapper. It is more difficult not to be in rapper than to be in rapper. People will be always looking for touch points. When you get in some headquarters, an office, or just group of people who have already been together for some time, for example, when you are late to a meeting, you will be able to easily notice that those people are in rapper because it is much more natural to them than not being in rapper. The continuous process of coordination is exactly matching. It may be when people are communicating with each other at the level of values, telling each other what is critical to them at the level of interests, hobby, some things that are attractive to a person. It may be body-level matching, when people have almost the same postures, similarly learning back or towards each other. The same with emotions, matching when a person is telling a story and expecting other people to react with a certain emotion. If he wants to give people a good laugh, he will most likely tell them an anecdote. There is an NLP presupposition, the meaning of communication is the response you get. Maybe in some other podcasts we will discuss NLP presuppositions in more detail, but in this case a person who found himself in an unacquainted company makes every effort to establish rapport, to establish a contact with another person. Right. Uh, from what he said, the most interesting for me, for my ear, uh, appeared 
matching according to values. Uh, would you please uh, bring up an example? How is it possible to tune up to someone according to values? And the first point is how to outline those values of another person before you start matching to them. People are always talking about their values. People cannot help talking about their values, their procedure, things. People always highlight that word in their speech. If we attentively listen to a person during a phone conversation when he or she is delivering a speech or just talking, that person will surely emphasize that using intonation, either a little bit louder or a little bit more profoundly, or in a lower intonation or most distinctively. And that will be what is critical to him. Some people even raise their index finger or tap their foot. Please pay attention to this too. It is also a way to outline one's values. Another method of outlining one's values, when a person is keeping silent and is not talking about his or her values, is just to start discussing some topic and name various values from time to time. For example, while discussing your yesterday's evening, when you may while mentioning some words that mean values, you will notice how that person gets involved hearing a certain value word peer out at you, leans forward or breathes in, in order to say something. Or, for example, purses his lips when you disagree or express some protest. People cannot avoid reacting to values. It is the same situation as with the rapper. It is much more difficult to avoid talking about values than to talk about values. Okay, so maybe his eyes will open wider, maybe he will start breathing some kind of in a special way. Uh, I think that some people are very self-controlled, very self-controlled, and uh, oftentimes they can conceal their reaction. But anyway, there will be a reaction, right? Maybe micro-reaction, but we will definitely notice it. If a person conceals his values, for example, during some meaningful, important negotiations, some people believe that can withhold information. However, those obstacles can be actually overcome by two ways. First one is to be much more observant than you are at the moment and to carefully track uncontrollable parameters. For example, movements of nasal wings, breathing, narrowing and widening of the pupil and the so-called nasolable triangle. It is a triangle between the tip of your nose and corners of your mouth. This area has very many nerve endings, and it is very difficult to control it. So a mere power of observation can give you food for thought.
This is the first method. If even a person plays Texas Hold'em poker for big money and is permanently training in having so-called poker face, anyway, he will be able to rather accurately determine, because um, first we are controlled by what we are not conscious of. When you distract him by some question or make him feel stressed, he will immediately express his nature. Or if something goes wrong, not in accordance with his scenario, he will also start expressing himself in every aspect. This is the first method. When we are just waiting, a person says something and observe him attentively. The second method is more resource demanding, but by my reckoning, more perspective. It is to get a rapper, because a person in rapper will trust you as he trusts himself, he will tell you about his values, as he will consider you to be his like-minded fellow, a pal, a partner, maybe a friend. So, these are two versatile methods of outlining one's values. When a person conceals his values, you can notice them while observing, or you can establish rapper when a person will anyway review Right, that was very, very cool. Thank you a lot. Uh, so this is the method, this is the way how to figure out what the values are, how to understand the real values of a person. Okay, so let's assume that we have succeeded in that, that we have understood at least one or two values. And now how to match according to the values, how to start tuning up to him. In the first podcast, we discussed Tozhitsa as a tool. You may say, oh, I have the same value. Oh, it's critical to me too. It is the simplest method, but it's critical to take into account that if it is not your value, you shouldn't match it in order to avoid some misapprehensions in the future. If a person doesn't give you a lot of information about him, but it is critical to you to match him or her, you may match using not I have the same value principle, but rather I respect your value principle. A respectful, well-balanced attitude towards what is critical to that person. On the one hand, it means building borderlines, but on the other hand, those are respectful borderlines. Yes, you have those interests, values, it's critical to you. Okay, good, I understand you. This I understand you, it is normal, comfortable to me, also maybe um, if, not a, if, not, if not a step towards deep inside of a person, but at least establishing some respectful borderlines which can become something more in the future. Yeah, can I use an example which came to my mind? Uh, probably a good idea would be to kind of generalize, generalize. For instance, a person says, uh, I like football, I'm a football fan, and uh, you, you hate football. But you may say, for instance, I believe that sports is a cool thing in our life, or something like that. Yes, you can move to the next level and say that, or if that level doesn't suit you, you can move up one level more and say, yes, I agree, regarding something in common. Proactiveness is better than lack of activity. You can use so-called truisms, some common phrases expressing your mutual agreement.
Yeah, a very good skill. You may train. You may try to train it. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, let's move on. Um, I have heard such a proverb, maybe a saying that that maybe the best what we love in our life is our mirror or something like that. That what we really love is what we see in the mirror. So maybe trying to mirror to reflect another person. Or that's what we've talked about. Okay, uh, what are the predicates? Uh, could you maybe say generally what is predicates and how do we use them? Predicates are words relating to a certain modality of a person. What is a modality? In terms of NLP, modality refers to a certain human perceptual system. We can percept the world through a limited number of sensory organs. In the simplest sense, there are five of them. There are actually much more of them, but in terms of communications, five or six are quite enough. For example, number one is the visual modality. It's when we percept through our eyes. The second most popular modality is auditory modality. It's when we hear those parameters that we hear. Number three is so-called kinesthetic. It's what we can touch, feel. Number four and number five are olfactory and gustatory, which means smells and tastes. Those are also ways of the world perception. Number six, which also is sometimes used in human speech, is our vestibular system. It is our inner ear, which tells us how we percept the space around us. For example, we can twist, fall, accelerate, decelerate. These are worlds belonging to his modality. It is not kinesthetic, is it? It's something separate? Some people believe everything, including smells and tastes and everything else to refer to kinesthetic. I suggest that those who like details and nuances should distinguish. In the simplest sense, those are visual, auditory and kinesthetic. If you want to look smarter, you can add smells, tastes and the vestibular system. So, predicates are words that belong to a certain modality. For example, we say, look, when we address to a person and when we want to attract his attention, we say, look, or those may be attributives of some picture, for example, bright, sharp, or a picture that is close or far away, is moving, or stays still. All those are words relative to the visual modality. However, if you notice that a person is to a greater extent working with sound, he may be a musician or a sound engineer, he probably is not accustomed to perceive the world visually. He is talking a lot directly or by phone, for example, a telephone sales representative. He will most likely say listen when addressing a person. And these are actually two different languages, and we could even need an interpreter who would translate from visual to auditory to us. And he would say not look, but listen to us. Those may be other auditory attributives, such as louder, quieter, slower, faster, duller, clearer. There are also predicates belonging to the auditory modality. If you pay attention to how a person speaks, 
you will be able to quite easily understand to what modality his speech belongs. Okay, now let me ask a question. Uh, since I'm a linguist and I deal with languages, this information <laughs> looks like not enough for me, and I'd like to specify, if possible. Uh, first of all, you mentioned verbs, like listen, look, uh, touch it, whatever. Then you mentioned uh, adjectives, saying big, small, huge, bright, and so on. So what parts of speech, what parts of speech are predicates? Does it matter? Those can be adjectives. Very often those can be verbs. I suppose if we look for nouns, we'll find them too. All of them will be used in speech. To be more precise, it is not quite correct to say that a person will have only visual predicates or only auditory predicates. It's rather a matter of proportion. If you want to make your speech maximum informative and understandable to a large audience, if you have to deliver a speech, I suggest that you should use all predicates. Visual, when you are talking about some pictures, auditory and kinesthetic. Let us discuss these three. When you are describing a situation or a story, if you want to have the maximum number of listeners, who would like to listen to you, or the maximum number of viewers, I recommend that you should talk an image, a picture of how vivid it is, or how distinctive or perspective may be the goal. When you deliver a speech, you should take into account that people with auditory perception may also be listening to you. You may play with your voice variations while saying yes, this is the goal, and your inner voice is telling it to you and you hear how distinctively it is pronouncing it. The same with sensations. You can refer to a person's experience, to his kinesthetic feelings, how pleasant and nice it would be touching it in your hands or possessing it, and so on. The more modalities you use in description, advisably in the proportion that corresponds to that person's perception, the more you will be speak his language while talking to him. Because it is like a foreign language. If you fit a key to who a person speaks, he will be listening to you. Yeah, do I understand right that we use those uh, predicates, predicates you've just described, in order to match a person? Is the idea of using predicates to match a person? We use those both for matching and to establish a feeling of speaking the same language. It means matching his thinking process and matching his perception system. Imagine you enter a room and there is something that first draws your attention. Someone entering a room starts to listen out, someone starts to look attentively, and someone pays attention to his sensations. It is useful to take these perception filters into consideration. To someone visiting a restaurant pays, the environment is very important. How nice it is all around, how nicely food is served. To someone the music played, there is critical how noisy or how quiet it is there. To someone, pays attention to his 
sensation. Because when you visit a place where fast food is served, it won't feature comfortable chairs, for example, or comfortable tables. It will have everything for you good as fast as possible eat that food. We can say the same about the space around the person. If you know that he has, to a greater extent, visual perception, you will surely notice that the environment at his workplace or at his office or at his room is a nice environment. The same is true to a person having auditory perception. He will surely have earphones, CDs and audio players, speakers and things like this and he is permanently crooning, sinning something, and so on. A person with kinesthetic perception will surely pay more attention to convinces for his body. Some chairs, bean bags, something soft. Of course, it may be a combination, a kinesthetic visual space, when it is both nice and comfortable. If you want to perfectly match a person, you should take these parameters into consideration. For example, if you want to perfectly match a picture person, invite him or her to visit a nice place. It may be a restaurant offering a panoramic view of the whole city, where one could take a lot of very nice selfies in a very effective environment. If that person is an audile, you can invite him to a jazz cafe with minimum illumination and quiet jazz playing from the stage, where it is comfortable just to stay and just to listen to music. The same with people with kinesthetic perception. You could invite such a person to a place where visitors can lounge, where tasty food according to commands is served, which is not necessarily to look at, but which is surely tasty. It is a very good method of matching. It's a great way to match, yeah, very clear, very structuredly, step by step. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was it was a great example. Okay, so we have discussed now uh, ways of matching, different criteria for matching to a person. We have discussed uh, predicates. We have talked about speaking to another using his language and many other methods and techniques how to match to build rapport so once we have already built a rapport how can we check how can we check whether rapport is okay or not what is the way to suddenly break it or to somehow grope and test what are the ways Matching is a tool for establishing rapper. As we have previously said, the purpose of rapper is, in general, first, obtaining an unconscious trust. It means that if a person trusts us, he will follow us. He will be moving from his area to ours. If we want to persuade a person or, dis or dissuade a person from something, we have to establish a contact with him in order to lead him to a new 
area. When we have such contact with rapper, we can lead him. The purpose of rapper is changing a person. How can we understand that we have rapper? Well, first, for example, you have established rapper. You have felt relaxation, interest, involvement of a person. Then I suggest that you should start changing something in you. For example, to talk a little bit faster, or for example, to talk a little bit quieter, or to discuss some other topic, and you will notice that a person willing to retain that comfort state will also start talking slower, or quieter, or faster, where you will lead him. We can use a rather simple metaphoric thing in this case. As if you, while communicating with a person, took his hand and and started to lead him. For example, from his room to some other room, from his place to some other place. So, rapper is the contact. When you are holding a person's hand, and checking rapper is an attempt to lead a person to somewhere. Maybe everyone can recall a situation when you offered someone to relocate or to go somewhere with you, or to stay with you, or he or she said, okay, I agree, despite of his or her previous plan. It is rapper that you have created, and that person is willing to change. This is the main idea, I mean, it is the first criterion. There are other criteria, for example, while communicating with a person, you hear him saying, wow, it is actually a secret, I don't reveal it to anybody, but I'll tell it to you. It also shows that you have rapper, you have built relations of some other sort with that person, he or she can now trust you. Another example, when a person begins to tell you something he or she has never told to anybody, anyone else, to treat you more emotionally than he or she treats other people, you feel warming, which means that you have rapper. There are other criteria, for example, a person begins to tell when a person tells you um, that he has a feeling that he has known you for ages, you understand that it is surely a metaphor and that you have communicated with him for maybe several hours and he tells you that he has known you for ages. It also shows that you have rapper. To sum it up, it is more loyalty, more sympathy towards you, which we can call a criterion of established rapper. Yeah, if I try to sum up what I have just heard, so summing up Alexander's idea is how do we understand that there is a rapport between two people? We feel some kind of loyalty, a feeling of loyalty towards you. And how to check if you have matched all right uh, is trying to lead, trying to lead him. And in case he gets led, he allows to lead himself. In this case, you have done everything right. There is a rapport and you are already leading, which was a purpose, the first purpose of building a rapport. Okay, very interesting idea. Uh, what shall we ask our audience? Uh, what shall they write in the commentaries below? Maybe your experience of building up a rapport with someone. Have you succeeded? 
Have you managed to do so? So please share with us and write down below in the commentaries. Thank you, Alexander, for a great, outstanding podcast and uh, hear you next time. Thank you, Olga, for the interesting podcast, for interesting questions. See you in the next NLP Radio episode. Goodbye.